You're listening to Unjiggered, a bartender podcast where we interview highly successful bartenders about their careers, lives, and the passion of bartending. This week we caught up with Roberta Mariani, the global ambassador for Martini Worldwide. We talk about her start as a barista in Italy, opening bar Termini in London, and her current role representing Martini globally. With this podcast, we want to peel back the mask and discover just how the greats really became the greats. So sit back and enjoy. Ciao, I'm Roberta Mariani, Global Ambassador for Martini. What a Global Ambassador does is everything related uh, advocacy for a brand. So from uh, organizing events, uh, building programs for bartenders and trying to support the, sum- the community as much as we can. Thank you very much for coming over. How's uh, the beginning of Cocktail Week shaping up for you? Oh, nice to see you, Michele. It's been a long time. Well, you know, London Cocktail Week is always quite crazy. Sure. There are a lot of events around and the best 50 bars uh, events and awards at night. It always bring uh, a lot of people from around the world, like you and a lot of our friends in town. So it's nice to see so many people and so many events uh, building uh, um, the hospitality during the week here in London. Uh, the event last night was quite a shake-up, no? Like the order was, uh, it was quite uh, nice to see that there was a little bit of a movement in the top 10 spots, don't you think? Yeah, it's always interesting watching the the list from as an outsider, you know, I'm not a bartender anymore. It's nice to see the shifting and especially when you see like small bars coming from really far away in the top 10. I would say it's a great, a great sign Then things are moving and even if you're a small wa- uh, bar or a small person, you can make a difference in, in our hospitality. It was awesome to see the Argentinian guys celebrating when they got to top three. I loved it. <laughs> it, was, it was really, really great to see someone like them, you know, achieving such a big stage. Especially because Argentina is such a remote market, right? Like, I was very impressed, very positively impressed. Yeah, it's really impressive. And I think he's really happy to, you know, they did an amazing work having guest bartending and going, having people going over there, uh, doing guest shift. I know Gabriele Manfredi, for instance, did a few takeover mm-hmm. over there. He's a really good friend of us. And, you know, Argentina is not an easy country where to work. And to be in a, such a position, the top three in the world, it means a lot. It, it does, it does. Fantastic achievement from their side. But uh, we're here to talk about you, so let's get to it. Uh, Tell us, at what stage did you fall in love with the beverage industry? What was your first uh, job? I started as a barista. Okay. So in Italy, in my hometown, I started working in a coffee bar during the summer just to make some money to spending around. And then I carry on working uh, as a barista in a coffee bar in the morning during university to pay my studies. So I was working in the morning in a bar and then going to university. Um, Likely my um, studies were really late in the evening. Sometimes lessons were eight o'clock. So I was able to work in the morning in a bar. but I think I fall in love with the professional a few years later when I start to work in a cocktail bar in um, San Felice. It's a really nice place. Uh, I don't know if you hear about uh, it. Um, south of Rome okay. and is a touristic area with beautiful beach and the seaside. Uh, and I start to work there uh, on the floor. I worked there for a few years. And during this year, I just fall in love with hospitality. I love to be to be able to you know host people and make them feel happy and trying to um, make something special for them during the evening, and 
at the same time I was watching the bartenders behind the bar and it was so fascinating. It was incredible. You know, watching someone creating something from nothing, you know, you got simple like, ingredients and at one point they became a cocktail. Mm -hmm. So that was the, my Eureka moment and I decided I wanted to make it my profession. You know, like I think nowadays, especially nowadays where everything is moving towards like, things begin being done by a computer, having a human being making something just for you, it's such a unique touch. It is. It's, you know, the, the people that have a few seconds to try to understand you, your past, and your reason to be in the bar in that moment. Uh, you know, it's really few seconds where you need to read a person and trying to deliver something that's going to make them the evening or afternoon or morning better. Mm -hmm. So, uh, what did you study exactly? Oriental languages. I've oh, studied whoa. Japanese and Hindi. Seriously? <laughs> yes. Oh, wait. I would have never said that. I've got graduation in Oriental languages. So how's your Japanese going? Uh, it's a little bit rusty at the moment. Okay. I've not been practiced for a few years now. Um, but yeah, I always I always love the culture. Mm -hmm. And I've traveled there a few times uh, as a holiday. And yeah, I love Japan. Uh, Japan is such a lovely place. So uh, we might see you on that part of the world. <laughs> I don't know. I need to travel soon. You know, like Europe is a, such a big market for Martin and mm -hmm. there is so much going on. Then um, the time to, to spend around is uh, such a little, but it's on my list. I need to go back to Japan and obviously visiting Asia and visiting you guys. So we talked about uh, your beginnings in uh, Italy. At what stage did you think that London was going to be the next step for you? I think was when I start to think about this as a profession. You know, before it was a way to make my my way to the university to pay my bills. So when I fall in love with the profession, I understood then um, there was a little bit more that I want to learn. And uh, I was lucky enough that one of the guests at the bar where I was working was Tonino Parlapiano okay. from the Jerry Thomas. Yeah. And I was spending evenings listening to him talking about people that I never met and never heard about. And that was, I think, the first approach to the serious world of bartending. I then did the bartender school, as all the Italians do. <laughs> Classic bartending school. <laughs> so I did the bartending school, learned how to throw bottles on my back in one week. And then I started working in the bars as a bartender until I decided then to do the next step, especially as a woman in the hospitality, uh, I needed to move. And I moved to London in 2012. 2012, 2012. Okay. And uh, what were the differences in between being a woman bartending in Italy and being a woman bartending in the UK, if there were any? Uh, there were many. We're still talking about um, almost like 10 years ago now. And be a woman in the hospitality, there was not much space, especially in Italy. You know, bartending was just starting to be something more serious. So be a woman, it was be like, yeah, you're the pretty face working in a club, uh -huh. making like long calendar stay in, in a club. No one will take you seriously. And um, I felt then to become someone uh, more professional, I had to live and when I arrived in London, obviously, you're starting your career from the back and my English wasn't good, uh, good enough, uh, you know, to start uh, where I left uh, in Italy. So I started working on the floor, uh, cocktail waiters and then um, bartender again. But I think in London, when I, when I moved to London, being a woman, it was actually a point mm -hmm. plus. Okay. Uh, and that's why it's kind of my message today to all the ladies uh, around uh, then they want to do this work. There are so many few lady bartending at the moment. Then if you're really committed, you've got more chance to come out. 
Yeah, I think it's a fair assessment. I think it's very difficult to find women in the bar. And I think it's, especially in a market that is well-developed like London, it's more the way I say it, for a lack of applicants rather than, than the industry pushing women out. I, yeah. I, I agree with you on that. And uh, do you think the situation in Italy is changed or is evolving? Yes, it's evolving. Luckily mm -hmm. enough, it's evolving. We've got beautiful women today working some of the greatest cocktail bars in Italy. Mm -hmm. And I've seen more and more of them pushing and working hard and being recognized by the industry in, uh, at the same level than uh, our uh, bartender male uh, working. So I think it's changing definitely. So what was your the first place where you managed to work behind the stick here in London? So I had a really brief uh, experience at the Covadis where I met oh, awesome. uh, <laughs> Luca Missalia, uh -huh. a really good friend. Then I moved to the Sanderson Hotel. So okay. I started on the yeah. cocktail, um, as a cocktail waitress at the Purple Bar where Eric Lawrence and Giuseppe Gallo, Gallo worked started, yeah. many, many years ago. And then moved to the bar. After a few months, I think like seven or eight, I had the chance to join the Zetter Town House. Mm -hmm. You know, when I moved to London, I had so some really... Um, big goals ahead of me. I wasn't here just to give it a try. I was here because I want to make it. So uh, my dad, they were really clear about where I wanted to work and who I want to work for. Was it the original Zetter? Yes, okay, the, the Zetter Tenhouse, the one uh, in Farrington. Farrington, yeah. That's a beautiful bar, one of my favorite bars actually. I loved it. It was so extravagant and cozy. I really loved it. And the team was amazing. Mm. I love the warmth of the room. It's one of those places where you just feel at home and you just never want to leave. Uh, I used to work just across the street and I used to go with Marilisa, my girlfriend, quite, uh, fairly, fairly often there. I loved it. Yeah, it's such a cool place. There was a really nice vibe. It could be really calm and quiet in the morning. Uh, I've seen many industry people coming from a coffee or tea doing mm -hmm. laptop work and then Saturday night, uh, uh, vibrant and busy. Uh, I had an amazing time over there. Have you worked with Joe Scofield there? With yes, Joe I did. Cool. We worked together. Joe is one of the most humble and polite person I, know, right? I never work mm -hmm. with. Uh, imagine you are in a busy shift on Saturday morning, uh, or Saturday night, sorry. Uh, it's morning for me. I'm not really a morning person, <laughs> as you probably know. Uh, and Joe will be, oh, hi, Bobby. Uh, may I please ask you to pass me the jig? <laughs> you know, he was always really nice and kind. Uh, him and his brother, they're amazing people, really, really kind. What was the uh, main concept of Zetterton House, if you can explain it to us, in terms of drinks and ambience, vibe? So it was kind of recreating um, the environment of an Ahanti, you know, your kind of Ahanti house. Uh, you got uh, stuffed animal. I wasn't a big fan of it, but they were part of the decoration. Big sofas, different rooms with a games room where you could, like, you know, play pool. It was a really like cozy. It was a meeting place where you could feel home. It's like a family townhouse. Um, drinks, uh, they were um, always uh, created around the concept, uh, a team. It was around uh, most of the time like England or what was happening in the, in the life of Wilhelmina, okay. the owner of the townhouse. Awesome. And um, I remember it was like a quite short menu, right? Like, yes, always, drinks, yeah, drinks? always like eight to ten drinks. Okay. Uh, um, it was all about like be punchy and simplicity. Mm -hmm. like, one of the things that stuck with me that Joe said to me is that uh, you could deliver the whole menu in like less than five minutes or so. 
Yes, yeah, so the station that were um, organized in the way then you could grab any kind of bottle and we were always working in pairs. So one on the right uh, delivering like, you know, check for the floor and the other one taking care of the bar. But you were always working together. That was a big training for me, um, learning how to build a drink with another person. Uh-huh. But you get so used to. Um, I, I I was having a really great time while working with uh, Will Haves, then is now at the... Um, Calucale. Okay. Uh, and working with a person is such a, you know, you need to be synchronized. And, mm. you know, one is pouring lemon while the other one is pouring syrup, and then the other one, the ice and the glassware. It was perfect. Mm. And you could be really quick. And I learned to work with someone else in that way, and it was brilliant. Yeah, I think uh, if you look at uh, Zetter Town House or like 69 Cover Grow, those places show that two bartenders working together. It's like, you know, like you'd expect that one plus one makes two, but if you have two bartenders working like that, one plus one equals three. Like the, the speed just uh, increases yeah. exponentially. It's, uh, it's And it's a beauty to watch. It is, especially if you know what is happening. You know, you know what is going to go inside of the drink, so you can read what the other person is going to need that you can just mm-hmm. facilitating so you can be faster. We did a lot of training and we actually, we, we tested and we saw then two people together that can be much quicker than someone else making is drink by itself. That's crazy. And um, how long have you worked at Zetter? A couple of years. Okay. And uh, they had something like a, didn't they have a buyout scheme or something like that? Where if you work long enough in the company, you get shares? I don't know. I heard something like that. Uh, probably I've not been uh, long, long enough. enough. <laughs> <laughs> I should have read my contract more carefully. Right. <laughs> and uh, what uh, prompted you to leave? Um, I think I was uh, looking for a different challenge. Uh, working at Zetter was great, uh, but at the same time I felt a little bit like uh, um, limited somehow, not because of the company, but just because, you know, when you work in a place for a couple of years with such a small team and a small bar, um, I was looking for something different. So I was going around London, I did a few trial shifts in bars, then I loved it at the time, and then arrived a proposal that I could not refuse. Mm. And it was the opening of uh, Bar Termini. Okay. Uh, would you like to talk us through what was the brief when you opened Termini? What was the main concept and how did you guys manage to put it into shape? So as an Italian, I think, you know, the opening of Bartend Mini was really meaningful. It was, the brief was quite easy to follow. It was just bringing what was um, a daily bar in Italy to London. You know, what was striking was um, in London, you have a coffee bar and you have a cocktail bar. Coffee bar opens until five, cocktail bar opens at five. Why you don't share? Like you pay the rent for all the day. Mm-hmm. Why you don't make use of it? In Italy, you know, you know, uh, better than me. People they start in the morning making cappuccino and brioche, and then they do lunchtime. Then they do a little bit of aperitivo. Then they do dinner, and then they do Cocktail. uh, cocktails after yeah, dinner. Yeah, <laughs> because <laughs> you need to try to make the most out yeah, of it, yeah. and it wasn't happening here. So that was the concept around the Bar Termini, was to create a place that was a meeting place for everybody come and living from London and to London, mm-hmm. uh, just bringing some Italianness here. That's awesome. And uh, how did you go about creating the drinks menu? Uh, there is always a lot of research and uh, development uh, behind the, um, the drinks. Um, drinks Factory, as you probably know, it was a big part of uh, all the development of the drinks of Bar Termini 69 and also the Zetter Townhouse. 
um, there was always a concept. We always started with a concept and never with an ingredient. And then we were trying to bring the concept to life through ingredients. So talk to us about uh, what is the Drinks Factory and what is the relationship in between the venues and the Drinks Factory itself? Drinks Factory started like an um, experimental cl- uh, lab uh, where bartenders were, they were allowed to go there and get a little bit crazy. You know, you were playing with rota vapor and do suvi, um, working with uh, acids, you know, to create all the ingredients that could be used in, um, in a cocktail. But it was really like going uh, beyond the normal way of making drinks. You know, think about one of the most popular cocktails in the 69s, the terroir, is a distillate of, of you know, uh, silica and flint, uh, something that, you know, it's mm. not used for bartender mm. to use. So um, it was really like unleashing creativity without boundaries because you had basically all the science behind to help you to make it real. And that was, I loved it. The reason why I decided to work mm. to to the jet that it was because I, la- I love the scientific approach uh, to the cocktail um, making. Um, so the drinks factory was the place where bartenders from the Zetter 69 bartenders they were going once, twice a week to develop the ingredients and then they will bring to the bar to make the cocktails during the shift. So is it fair to say that uh, Termini needs the drinks factory in order to function? Is in the sense that do some of the ingredients necessarily have to come from the factory in order for Termini to function? Yes, I think okay. so. Okay. Some of the ingredients, they are, they, you know, they are all bespoke. Mm-hmm. Um, if there was no drinks factory, Bartelme would have need a much bigger space to develop uh-huh. uh, the ingredients for the for the cocktails. Because Termini is very small. Uh, do you have a back preparation area there? or No. no? So what you see is what's yes. in there. Yes. Yeah, what you see is what you buy. <laughs> uh, 25 seats, really okay. cozy and tiny. Um, I think that was the beauty, but also like the challenge of uh, such a place uh, on a busy night, you couldn't accommodate more than 25 seats. And I've tried, trust me. You know, going, going around with the iPad and trying to allocate seats. It wasn't easy. It was fun, part of the fun, but you couldn't do more than that. Uh, there is no backspace, uh, tiny, um, tiny like back room with just like the ice machine and a few boxes for the, for the stock. Uh, so being organized, it was really like uh, important for the running of the bar. So we talked about your cocktail background and how much uh, you uh, focused on that at the early stage of your career in London. Uh, but Termini was also heavily focusing on coffee. Was this something that you had to train yourself or were you already at a decent level when uh, you joined Termini? No one is at the level of Marco Arrigo. <laughs> Marco Arrigo runs the Illinois. Uh, University of Coffee School uh, here in London is the one that bought Italy here in UK and no one is his level. So before the opening of Termini, we spent uh, weeks and weeks training on coffee, testing coffee. Uh, it was it was really interesting. I was coming back home shaking every day <laughs> uh, because of the caffeine. But it was a brilliant moment and I've learned so much from Marco. It's, it's been great. At the same time, every time then someone was joined the um, the bar team, he had to go through the coffee training with Marco to make sure they were like spot on. To be fair, one of the things I loved about that specific project and like the way that uh, Termini did coffee was the fact that you were very open about it. And you had, uh, I, I remember, was it once a month you had these coffee sessions with Marco? Yes. Yeah, so I attended quite a few of those and it was actually quite eye opening. It was very, very interesting. 
Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a person that knows a lot and he's not scared of sharing mm-hmm. all his knowledge. Um, I think he's a brilliant human being. Yeah, and he, he works very hard, right? And uh, does he still work for Illy? Yeah, he does. He so does. he does both jobs, like Illy and uh, Thermini. He does. So we talked about the coffee, uh, we talked about uh, the cocktails. Let's talk about the vermouth. The signature drink of Thermini was the Negroni. And uh, one of the key ingredients is the vermouth. Is this where you started to develop a relationship with Martini at the time? Uh, yes and no. So I think the first approach with Martini was uh, an invitation for the BCB, for the um, okay. Berlin Common Bar. And they asked Termini to go there and representing the concept about the Negroni. So it was my first time uh, running a seminar with Giuseppe Gallo. And uh, I think the relationship started there. We did then a series of um, masterclass at the mm-hmm. Termini, covering Amaro, Vermouth, uh, Aperitivo, Liqueurs, Bitters. And then that's where the relationship started. Um, to be honest with you, I would never thought about becoming a brand person. Uh, you know, we've been knowing each other for quite a few years and I was quite happy doing the bartending. But when the offer from Martini arrived, for me was a natural progression from uh-huh, running an uh-huh. aperitivo place to working for an aperitivo brand and still like, you know, delivering the aperitivo to the world. But to be fair, I think uh, the jump from uh, bartending to brand is a bit stigmatized nowadays in our industry because a lot of people take the jump at a, not the right time in their career, I think. However, I think if it's natural and if it's a brand that you feel it's, it's you, you know, like it's something that it should be done that way, right? I mean, if you look at your predecessor, for instance, Giuseppe Gallo was the face of Martini. Like, it, it, it looked Martini. I don't know if yeah. it makes sense, right? Or like David Cordoba looked Bacardi, right? Mr. Dacri. Mm-hmm. So, and I think when we look at you, you look Martini, you know? And, oh, uh, and uh, you. Uh, let's talk about what are the differences in between your day-to-day job from moving from a bar to a brand and what recommendations would you give to someone who's about to do the same jump? So I will start from the last question um, giving some recommendation if if I trying to do uh-huh. it. Um, you were saying before, you must feel the brand. You know, when you're a bartender, you're working for a really good bar or you've got some visibility, brands, they're always uh, gonna look at you. But you need to wait for the right moment where you feel is the right time to make the step. And opportunities that are coming many times. You know, it's not. The, it wasn't the first time that I've been offered a, a job to work for a brand, but there never been the right brand of the right times. That's why you representing someone is your face on it. Uh, you really need to believe what you're saying. You know, like. Uh, I can't sell you water and tell you then is a liquefied diamond. You know, you need to believe what you're saying, otherwise you lose credibility and you're not going to be able to do your job properly. It's, um, it's a tiring job, as is bartending it is, but if you don't have passion, you're not going to be able to, to go around for a, for a long time because um, this, the first step is quite uh, a jump. You know, you're starting from working the night to be in the office <laughs> at nine in the morning. Yeah. And again, I'm not a yeah. morning person. Um, that is the first jump. So you need to kind of, okay, this is weird. This is different. Let, let me take it like slowly. Um, then you start to get used to it. But again, 
is not just going to the office at nine, you're still going out in the evening, you're still doing events. Sometimes, you know, you finish late in the evening and then in the morning you need to do some office job. So it's how you balance everything. At the beginning, you just feel that you need to do everything, you need to be everywhere. And um, you realize with the time then you can make choices in the same way you, you, when you work in a bar, you need to pri- give priorities to things that are more important. Mm-hmm. So you start to find a way to balance your work-life balance and um, it, everything gets more easy uh, in that way. Um, what today does an ambassador, it really depends on the brand and on the position, but um, mainly is trying to find a connection between the brand and the bartending. Uh, it's almost like we are the one listening to the bartending and telling the brand what the bartenders uh-huh, need. Uh-huh. Uh, and I think it's beautiful. Uh, I personally see myself as, uh, you know, as, a, as a coming from the world of the bartending. Um, as a person able to help the category. Mm-hmm. So like as a bartender, how what I feel is needed. How can I help my friends bartenders to do a better job? That's why, you know, really push me to do my, my best every day. So since we briefly touched on it, what is it that you have identified as opportunities for you as a brand uh, to support the bars? And uh, what sort of procedures or projects have you put into place for that? Um, I think uh, at the moment, if I need to think of uh, a project that I'm proud of, is definitely Martini Racing Ciclismo. And uh, everything started in 2017. It was a BCB again. It just seems to be like... Yeah, a, is <laughs> <your center> point. <laughs> it's my center point. Then, uh, um, I was running a Cafe Torino. It was really busy. It was great. And then I had a speech on, uh, on the stage and it was good. I was feeling okay. And then a person, Ian Bell, and he's the, from Bartender's Manifesto. He came to myself and he was like, oh, you look terrible. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Really? <laughs> yeah, he <Awesome>. was. <laughs> but it was a great start because it actually, it showed me that I was almost burned out because I, I've been in a position at the point for one year and I was constantly working and traveling and without resting, without exercising because I didn't feel there was time to do it. Mm-hmm. So I reached the point that I was okay. I can't do more. I can't deliver. And then, thanks to thankful to him, I realized then I need to slow down. I need to take the time to exercise. So from the f- past, uh, for the following three weeks, uh, he was sending messages like, "Are you exercising? Are you eating? Uh, these are the vitamins that you need to take. This is the schedule that you need to follow. This is the app that you need to use for meditation." And for me, make a really big change. And because I've been gifted with this kind of revelation that mm-hmm. you need to find a balance in your life, I was pushed to do the same for, for the bartender. So today with the Martini Racing Ciclismo, we're trying to uh, bring bartenders together uh, to exercise uh, cycling uh, from indoor uh, uh, cycling class to outdoor rides. It's just a um, way to tell bartenders, take your time, make sure that you take the time for things that are important in your life, like yourself. If you want to take care of the others, you need to take care of yourself first. That's a very interesting uh, approach. And uh, what, uh, so you've got the indoor cycling uh, classes. What else do you have? Because there's a race, right? Yeah, so we do outdoor rides in different countries. And then once a year, we do La Classica. Mm -hmm. Uh, We actually just came back a couple of weeks ago. Uh, We rode from Florence to Rome and we ended uh, at the Roma Bar Show 
and Roma Bashob was great, mm-hmm. let me tell you. I'm really pleased of it. Obviously, you know, I'm from Rome, so feel yeah. proud. And uh, we took 50 bartenders from around the world, from Australia to States to Spain and Belgium, UK, different countries uh, to ride with us. So these guys to win their, win their seat, they had to train in their countries through indoor cycling or outdoor. So it's just a way to bring community together and uh, the la classica is a kind of reward you know you always need to put a goal uh, on top of people if you want them to push really of hard of course absolutely yeah how was a uh, roma barcio did you like it yeah, yeah i liked it it was a brief experience for me because we arrived like lunchtime on tuesday so just the last day uh-huh. um i think it was great to see the italian hospitality getting together and putting aside any kind of challenge or uh, jealousies and just working together to ensure the world then we can do a lot better than uh, we usually do. Um, you know, if you're looking at the panorama like worldwide, so many Italian bartenders, they are working the best bars. Mm-hmm. There is a reason because hospitality is our DNA. And uh, I like to see that Italy is finally getting together to share a little bit of this love and experience too with the rest of the world. You know, one of the things I loved about as me and you, we live abroad and we get to try Italy in different stages, right? Because we, we're not in it to see the full evolution. What I noticed is that, as you mentioned, we moved away from this sort of like uh, negative uh, vibe that we had in between each other in bars there. And now I saw a lot of community and I think Roma Barcia was a perfect example of like how bars cooperated with each other and how busy events were was, was an awesome thing to experience. But also I noticed that right after that, it was in 1930 in uh, Milan, and uh, they uh, organized events, well, two events a month. One of them is an external guest shift. So they'll get uh, a couple of bartenders from different bars around the world mm-hmm. to work together on the same night. And then they also have a um, Milan to Milan uh, guest shift so they get bartenders from another bar in Milan in their own bar just to have a basically a gigantic party and I think that's what Italy needs and I'm glad that actually it's happening right it's great and I couldn't agree more uh, there was a lot of negative feeling probably is one of the reasons why we both left probably, Italy yes. with mm-hmm. a lot of people that is amazing to see the change happening mm-hmm. so many you know good friends recognize you know from Patrick Pistolesi recognized in the best 50 the other day. He was a massive achievement. He's a, a, an amazing person that worked really hard during this career. So um, I like the vibe that is around Italy today. I really love it. And uh, hopefully it's going to stay for a long time and it's going to teach a new generation a new way of working together. What do you think triggered the change in Italy? Because uh, like, it, it, for sure it hasn't happened overnight, but there must have been a catalyst right something that pushed i think it was the needed of a change mm-hmm. and again he, he was looking outside and see so many great bartenders working the best bar around the world and italy not getting enough recognitions mm-hmm. uh, from you know just uh, talking about the awards it was there just like uh, sometimes uh, uh, something that we take too serious but for instance, is a recognition in our hospitality. If you think of Tales of the Cocktail, Best 50, Italians cocktail bars, uh, they were not so present. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think there was a need and people uh, finally understood then to achieve a higher goal, you need to work together. together yeah. So uh, Martini, it's a vermouth brand. 
at its uh, core, right? Fair yeah, assessment. it is. So what would be, what do you think is the state of Vermouth today? Because Vermouth has, a bit of a rena- has had a bit of a renaissance in the past, uh, say, decade or so. so yeah, a little bit less, probably, in, I would say, definitely five years mm-hmm. uh, so on. Um, is is a great moment to work on a Vermouth brand because finally people understand what Vermouth is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a kind of different challenge a few years back. But, um, it, this is uh, driven by the fact that everything about aperitivo uh, is quite popular and is getting outside of the southern hub of Europe. Um, the change on the palate, we finally uh, getting towards a little bit more bitter taste. Um, you know, the times where we were drinking sexy on the beach or mojito with a Malibu, um, they are quite in the past. So we finally, we appreciate more uh, bitter, uh, refreshing drinks. Um, so think about some of the last list of the top uh, popular uh, cocktail. And the Negroni was the number two worldwide. Now, you know better than me, like believing that Negroni is is popular is quite a statement you know like it's quite punchy it's quite strong it's quite bitter so it's really recognized a different in a shifting in in a palette of the bartenders but at the same time in the consumers so it's a really exciting time for uh, for a brand like like martini you know we have a low abv products because vermouths and uh, all bitters they all like low abv and the aperitivo is booming so it couldn't be a better time it's crazy to think that when uh, probably when we started our career to move a bottle of Campari a week would be a challenge and now you got different vermouths and like different bitters and, and it's amazing to see that the industry is moving towards something that is uh, essentially very Italian which is the aperitivo right yeah and it's great to have choices absolutely like no one is challenging uh, any kind of uh, product or brand it's just like you have more choices so you can decide what you want to use in that moment for that drink or because that feeling i think this is uh, the really um this has been driven by bartenders no we we became kind of picky and demanding we were asking for more and more and more (laughs) and more and the brand that just had to no reply to the kind of a request and that is great because today we've got so many opportunities and we would even thought about back in the days so what is your um, goal for martini in the future say within the next couple of years oh well um i really want the martini recyclismo to reach as many people as possible so my goal is to increase the number of people at- attending and participating during the year so in different countries and I want to see Martini recognize in, in our industry as the leader there's been. And um, I think Martini had some uh, really high and a little bit low moments. Uh, today we're finally having a, a turn on it. And um, I just want to make sure then we give the bartenders the, the tools that they need. Uh, from product uh, point of view and from program uh, point of view. That's awesome. And uh, you guys now have uh, a new reserva range, am I correct? Yes, yeah. we do. Would you like to talk to us about what's the thought process behind it and how did you guys develop it? Yeah, 
The reserva speciale has been created because the demand of the bartenders. Okay. Uh, you know, supply and demand. <laughs> supply and demand. They were requesting. Martina has been around for more than 150 years. Uh, it's been the leader of the category forever. So um, there is no everybody no Martini. But a few years ago, there was a movement about craft and um, artisan, small batches, uh, and complexity. So we kind of felt that we had to give bartenders something different with a little bit more complexity for the palate uh, of people nowadays. And that's why the Reserva came out. So it's not like a, a, a higher range, it's not a different version of Rose of Bianco. It's just a different product with a little bit more complexity and a little bit more bitterness mm-hmm. compared to the, the, the standard range of Martini. You mentioned earlier on a healthy lifestyle and you mentioned La Classica and all the Martini cycling events. Uh, What sort of recommendations would you give to someone nowadays in order to have a healthier lifestyle? Because you know that we have more bar shows than ever every year, more events than ever, uh, more cities to visit, more bars to visit. So how do you balance that and what recommendations would you give to someone who perhaps, uh, you know, struggles with this? This is a really good question, and the answer is make choice. Uh, do you really need to attend the event? It's going to make a difference for you or for the people around you. And uh, do you really need to be partying until 3 in the morning? What is happening after midnight? You know, like, can you live at midnight? What's, what are you going to miss? Like, one drink or two. Um, uh, be conscious of not drinking too much. You can party without uh, no over drinking. I'm not saying no drinking. You know, we are in the hospitality because we like drinking. Mm-hmm. But you can have like a drink and sip in it instead of just having a shot. Uh, make sure that you got enough water. Uh, take your vitamins. Get enough sleep. I think we are really guilty on that. We don't sleep enough. We grew up with the idea then five hours, four hours and a half, sometimes three. They're fine. No, they're not fine. It's not enough. Mm-hmm. So make sure that you've got at least, you know, your six and a half, seven hours sleep planned. And it's your priority because it's your life. Exercising, I've always been told, oh, I don't have enough time to go to the gym or to exercise. Sometimes it's just 15 minutes. Uh, is 15 minutes yoga in the morning or is uh, hitting the gym uh, before going uh, you know, for the aperitivo to the dinner. You can find the time, but it's really up to you managing and planning on your schedule. And uh, it makes a huge difference. I see on myself, since I start to integrate these kind of things in my life, I feel I do a much better job because I've got more energy, mm-hmm. so I can give more energy to people. Okay, and uh, how often do you exercise or like how do you manage to carve this time out quite a lot at the moment so i do krav maga self-defense three times a week when i'm in london okay so plus i (laughs) cycle on a turbo trainer again you can't really go every day out in london and especially if you work in the office until 7, 7.30, you, you're not going to go for a ride. So I bought a turbo trainer and I got my bike on it. So even 7.30 in the evening, I can do one hour train on a bike oh, and awesome. cycle. Mm-hmm. And if I'm traveling, I don't have time. I just do 15 minutes uh, high intensity exercise and just to get, you know, your circulation going. And So you exercise every day? Uh, almost. More or less. Okay. And uh, how about eating habits? Is this something that you pay attention to? 
I'm trying to. Mm. Uh, again, I'm I'm not perfect. I'm not here yeah, to no, say, no look at me, yeah, no, look no, at me. I'm, I've got the perfect lifestyle. I'm not. I'm an ambassador, so I'm still got a lot of struggle, <laughs> and I would love to have a perfect uh, life uh, work balance. But I'm paying more attention. I make sure that I've got at least breakfast, and it's not eating croissant with the Nutella in the morning. It's just uh, having something a little bit more healthy. Um, trying to avoid uh, anything that has added sugar is trying to have a meal at least three times a day. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not able to, if I'm running an event, I know that I might gonna skip uh, a lunch or dinner. I might have a protein bar, say in my bag, uh, or a protein shaker, something that's gonna help me. Mm-hmm. Almonds, I've got a lot of almonds in my bag <laughs> constantly. Everywhere. You know, like you need to find the tricks uh, to help you to go through. And sometimes it's better if you are an event to don't eat the the fried uh, chicken or whatever is there like just wait while you're going back to your hotel or again having a protein shaker before Mm. no but i i think you mentioned the fact that you're not perfect no one's perfect but i think the fact that you're not perfect makes it more interesting to listen to what is it that you do because like we we both worked in bars and like we are busy when other people are supposed to eat we are busy when other people are having lunch dinner or they're having breakfast so for us it's very very challenging to have you mentioned your three meals a day, make sure you don't eat uh, some random junk you find around. It's a challenge, you know, it's, it's a challenge and I'm glad that you have managed to de- devise some ways to sort of live around it, you know. I'm learning. I'm learning, <laughs> but you, you need to do for yourself. I think sometimes uh, bartender is seen as a career really short. People today got the feeling then you can be bartender until your thirties that you need to move, you need to do something else. Mm-hmm. Look around us, you know, like there are people that have been bartending until the seventies. That was the real hospitality. Still in Japan today, you know, the, the the real bartenders, they are the one then are over the fifties. The, the young one they're just barbecuing because they need to learn, you know, like you need to earn your stripes to be like a, a bartender or a senior bartender. So I think this depends because bartenders, they are burning out quite quickly because you need to push, you're not eating, you're not, you're not sleeping, you're not exercising, you're drinking, you're drinking, you're drinking, you're traveling a lot. And then you realize when you're thirsty, that you're done. Yeah, you, you can't deal with it anymore. You, yeah. you can't carry on with that lifestyle, but you don't have to. You know, it's really up to us. Uh, help each other and it's it's fine to say no like you know sometimes I'm going around and do you want a shot I don't want a shot like that's fine you know mm-hmm. it's making a choice and we shouldn't like bullying people because they decide and they don't want to drink that day or because they want to go to sleep early uh, we need to help each other in that sense yeah and I think also like I've noticed that we are all together I think there was a huge batch of bartenders that started when we started more or less and we we're all now getting older and getting into different <laughs> positions and we should look after each other a bit better no definitely yeah. definitely but that is the beauty as well that you always got a family around you that was the mo- the most brilliant things that I discovered in a bartending when i moved to london the community feeling so you know there by yourself there are always friends that can support you and help you to get better and we can help each other yeah, I mean, we should. Italy's done it, so we should do it as well. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is a nice uh, thought to wrap the conversation. I have a very last question asked to everyone. Uh, if you could choose your very last drink, what would that drink be? 
Uh, I think it must be a Negroni. I know, right? <laughs> As in Italia, you know, last meal it will be a pizza and last drink it will be a Negroni. Negroni absolutely. For me, it's just the perfect drink. The complexity and the simplicity in the making and the taste, the roundness, it just is brilliant. Cool. Thank you very much for your time. Thank awesome you, Michele. We hope you enjoyed our chat with Roberta. We are Unjiggered underscore media on Instagram and you can follow our personal accounts at mmariotti89 for Michele, Alex J. Murphy for myself and Adrian Besser for Adrian. Thank you for listening.